Hey guys, uh, welcome to another episode of the Elite Physique University. This week we are on episode 84 um, and we are talking everything adrenal fatigue with Lacey Dunn. So we're really excited to have her on this week. We have lots of good questions in store um, and talking about writing her book and everything. But of course, like always, how's everyone been doing? Pretty good. You look, you look, you look, um, you look lively. The last, yeah. the last couple of times we recorded, you, you've been moving, you've been doing all this different stuff. Dude. You've got classes going left and right. You yeah. look like you got some pep in your step, man. I don't know why, because I didn't sleep well last night. My, my dog had cancer on her skin. We had to get it cut off and she got the shits. So she kind of, she kind of came out of her stupor last night about 1115. I had to be up at six and she's barking at the door, let her out, went back to bed another 20 minutes. Then this morning I find a, a shit pile right in the piano room on our gray carpet. I'm so pissed. I could have killed her, but it's not her fault. But um, so I don't know why I'm uh, bright eyed and bushy tailed, but uh, I, I am. Um, so I'm ready to roll. Of course you know. Yeah. My, my week is um, it's man. We've moved into a new office. I think I talked about that on the last episode and we are just rolling. We just dropped an apple pie, a la mode protein or blended protein. So that, Broke all of our sales record for protein just in one week. It broke a, a monthly sales record that broke in a week. So okay. that's seasonal, but we're probably going to make that long-term. It just depends, but I don't want to take a lot of time with, with my stuff. Uh, what about you, Kayla? Um, well, it's been a couple of weeks since we've been on and recorded, but um, this last Sunday, we actually are, well, we're fostering to adopt a new dog. So um we have an 80 pound lap dog now. <laughs> uh, his name's Cornelius. He's a uh, King Corso Mastiff. He's laying on my, my carpet right now um, in my office. So he's just a big baby. Um, but he's the best like squishy face face ever. And he's just adorable. So I used to uh, volunteer at a shelter back when I had more time in my life. And um, I had, I got to know a few Mastiffs and <clears throat> they were always big and clumsy Yep. And no one wanted to take them out for a walk because a lot of the people were older. And so I, I ended up being the one that would, you know, take them out, put them in the mm -hmm. play, man, some of them come running right at your knees. They didn't give a shit. You <laughs> gotta be quick. Yeah. Uh, he's, so. he's like a big baby deer. Like he's just all yeah. legs and he just like hops awesome. and jumps. And then, but it's funny because with walks, he's great. Like Runa, our, our other dog, she's a little pit bull mix. She like will pull and just run That's around. Yep. Yep. But he's just like, doo, 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 doo. so it's, yeah, it's been going really good. So we have that. Um, that's the exciting thing for us. Otherwise just training and eating and growing. That's all I'm doing right now. So all good things, but otherwise our guest Lacey, um, how has, how have you been? What's been new for you? Um, I know you have your book out this year. Um, but other than that, like, how's everything going? Hi. Yeah. Thank you so much for you guys having me on. I know I've listened to a lot of your podcasts. I follow you guys. I've tried to stay in touch with you guys. Absolutely honored to be on here. So thank you so much. And for me, I mean, this past year has been really growth in all aspects of my life, uh, specifically like spiritual growth, connection with other people. Honestly, I took a, a lot of a backstep business-wise to do a lot of like personal development, communication and connection with other believers. So it's been a really a life-changing year and I couldn't be more excited and thankful. In my book, it's crazy. It's been 
wow, I released that last year and it's been phenomenal. And I'm so thankful for everybody that loves it. You guys all showed your little photo, like showing me that you have my books. I'm really honored for that as well. Yes. I love it so much. I mean, that took a long to a, a little bit of a long time to make. And it's my baby, my little book, baby. Mine's on Kindle or I would show you my copy. <laughs> <laughs> Kindle's totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've got it pulled up on Amazon now, and I know Kayla's got everything linked in the show notes because you guys are wanting, you want to go buy this, and I bought it as soon as it came out. You've got, it's pretty much a five-star book. You've got well over 150 reviews. I, I wanted to, before we start off, I wanted to talk about the process of writing a book because there's a couple different ways that you can do things. I self-published, and I have four of them out there. Anyone can do that. And I'll link some research and stuff in the back of mine, but you have went to the next level on this. You've got so much research linked in the back for people that want to delve into that. It kind of reminds me of something like what Scott Stevenson would write. This is an extremely legit book with all the references in the back. My question for you is when did you start writing it and about how long did it take? Because it, that's a process. Yeah. Yeah, it actually, I started it in February of 2020 when COVID hit and I actually quote unquote finished it by Thanksgiving time. But then what happened was, so I wrote all of it kind of piece by piece, chapter by chapter. And then when I finished it in November, I was like, it's not done yet. And so I wrapped it up all the way until January. And on my birthday, January 30th, I was like, you have to stop because it's over 400 pages long. It's way mm -hmm. too long. So I forced myself to stop then. So it was kind of cool being able to write it during COVID because that's when it was chaotic. And when I had a little bit more time, like being forced at home to write it, but I mean, I knocked it all out in less than a year, which I think is pretty good. Um, it took, it was a long-winded journey, but I love how you mentioned about the references because I did all that at the very end. I literally wrote the entire book and oh, did wow. all the chapters. And then I had to go back chapter by chapter, Damn. figuring out, okay, how can I back up this? So I had to go into PubMed and make sure I matched all my references and resources to make sure everything that I wrote had a scientific back behind that. And if, if you don't mind, I'm just going to really quick read down the table of contents, because first of all, if you're a, if you're a female listening, you definitely need this is almost like the hormonal Bible for you. But if you're a bro, if you're a dude, you need to get this because it's going to help you understand, especially if you coach people. So that's it's that. perfect for the listeners of our show. Just real quick. You've got 10 chapters, your hormonal symphony, the questionnaire, mastering your symphony helping hormonal chaos when your cycle changes, endocrine disruptors from hell. I like that. Conquering your nutrition, thyroid 101, the cortisol connection, and the gut guide. And how all of this stuff is tied together. So I just wanted to plug that really quick before we get to our topic today. This is one of the more impressive books that I've seen put together on, on female in the systems of the body. So well done. Well done. Thank you. That really means the world to me. I put a lot of effort into it and I really wanted it to be a women's Bible. It was going to be called a Bible, but I was like, you know what? Like as a Christian, I'm not going to put that on there. So <laughs> I'm very, very thankful that you enjoy it. My goal was to really help as many people as possible and give them, like I say in my book, the tools, the knowledge, and the confidence to take their own health and their body back into their own hands. Awesome. Yeah. I, th I think what I like about it so much, like for especially women who know nothing about hormones, it's it's very easy to understand. You put it in terms that are easy to understand for people versus like, there are some books out there that are very scientific and scientifically written. And it's hard to put all that into like 
terms, third grade reading level, for example, not that this is that, but it's just a lot easier to understand for people. And um, so if you don't know anything about hormones, this is a great place to start and whatnot. So, yeah. So yeah. But today we wanted to kind of pinpoint on just like one aspect of that. Cause like we could probably do an episode on like each chapter of these, of this book. Um, so we were going to talk more about adrenal fatigue. So I guess starting out, I feel like, and I think you guys would agree that adrenal fatigue gets kind of tossed around a little bit too much of like, oh, I'm tired. So I have adrenal fatigue, but that's not really the case. So Lacey, can you help our listeners distinguish like what is just like simple tiredness versus like adrenal fatigue? Right. So the most important thing is for people to understand, okay, what are our adrenal glands? What do they do? So our adrenal glands are kind of like up under our kidneys back behind us. And they play a big role with everything from creating hormones, helping with our blood sugar regulation, our sodium potassium levels, electrolyte balances, digestion, um, mood, clarity, cardiovascular system, you name it. So they're very, very, very important. And the most important thing is like a short-term stress is going to cause cortisol to be released. And that is good. We want that. Cortisol is anti-inflammatory. So whether we're running from a tiger or we have illness, infection, carrying from work is like absolutely pissing us off. We want it there short term, but that long-term high cortisol leads down to adaptive cortisol, which leads down to low cortisol. And that's where the quote unquote adrenal fatigue sits in. And my issue when people quote unquote diagnose or call themselves adrenal fatigue is one, Adrenal fatigue, whether you're high or low cortisol, those symptoms can look the exact same for many people. And then two, there's more to the story. Typically, when you got low cortisol, there's more to the story. So first things first, when it comes down to like establishing, is it low cortisol or is it just a nutrient deficiency? I mean, test, right? Test don't guess. A lot of times when we have cortisol dysregulation, we could be chronically exhausted, have salt and sugar cravings, digestive distress, whether that's diarrhea, constipation, gas or bloating. We can have hormonal imbalances because our adrenals will communicate if there's anything wrong with the adrenals that filters right down into your sex hormones, whether that's mid-cycle spotting, loss of your periods, heavy periods, painful periods. We can have salt and sugar cravings, skin issues like eczema, acne, hives. We can have immune dysregulation, especially, you know, a trigger for an autoimmune disease or getting sick frequently. So those are some common things. And then of course we have like weight gain, hair loss, that type of stuff. But the most important thing is testing, figuring out where are you and doing accurate testing. So not just doing a blood cortisol done at one time, seeing what does your true adrenal status looks like and not just cortisol also looking to see, okay, what does DHEA look like too? Because that can really tell you where are you now in the quote unquote adrenal cascade. And there's, of course, there's more to the story there because you can't just interpret the lab. you got to look at somebody's symptoms and their history to see where were they in relation to where they are today and then match it all together. But the biggest thing, if you like question, Hey, I'm completely exhausted. I got salt and sugar cravings. I'm gaining weight. I don't feel my very best. I'm always sick. I would definitely test because there could always be something else. Typically is something else that's also going on. So what test do you recommend for the listeners? A four point salivary cortisol is the best thing that you could do with a cortisol awakening response. If you can, because that gives you even more data in regards to how your adrenals are working. So my favorite, I used to say, oh my God, I love the Dutch. It's getting too expensive. So ZRT is very, very cheap. It's $115. They do a car with a DHEA four point cortisol. That's my best friend. Yep. That's the one I used to. 
Okay. Awesome. Same here. So I've, I've got a real quick question. Um, I'm going to try and be the, the, the bro coach over here, the half bro Love coach, it. right? So I'll play, I'll play that role because there's going to be a lot of people listening that they're not really understanding when to start testing. So maybe one thing that pops up that people see is maybe their clients are just now starting to get labs and a coach is starting to, to look at theirs or maybe their own. And they see cortisol done on regular blood work, right? And it's just going to be a first thing in the morning type thing. And maybe it comes back low there. And a lot of times people just kind of dismiss it. Is that kind of a warning signal that you all would think about if cortisol is low? It's only taken one time. It's not a four point. Is that probably a marker to think, okay, probably need to get a four point salivary cortisol and start looking into this? I would say a hundred percent because typically a low morning cortisol is already telling you that your adrenals are starting to go into that tanking mode. You're starting to walk into your adrenal fatigue. Now you could potentially have high cortisol in the evening as an adaptive rebound response. But yeah, if you have low cortisol or high cortisol in the morning, there's something, there's adaptation going on. You need to dig deeper. Yeah. Lacey, can you explain the relationship of cortisol related to DHEA? Because I know that the cortisol DHEA ratio is something that's important to look at, but like, why would this be important for listeners to look at with sex hormones and stuff too? Yeah. So cortisol and DHEA, both of our adrenal hormones, we also have others like epinephrine, norepinephrine, but DHEA is very important because it helps to reverse the catabolism and, um, the inflammation that comes from having high cortisol. It helps to reverse the immunosuppression that happens from having high cortisol. And DHEA is also a parent hormone to our androgens and our estrogens. So we want to take a look and see what does DHEA look like? Cause it gives us even more of a story to where our adrenals are going. And the reason it does this is because as we walk through, um, and Dr. Kalish is freaking fantastic. Dr. Dan Kalish, he talks about this all the time. If anybody has questions to dive even deeper, go to him. He's got a bunch of videos, but DHEA and cortisol both follow a kind of like a rhythm as you're walking through high cortisol down to low cortisol. And I'll kind of like give an explanation. And it's not always the exact same for people because PCOS, you can have high DHEA despite having low cortisol, but it follows a rhythm. So at first we have kind of like different phases and I go over in my book, but phases of adrenal exhaustion. So phase one, I call boss bitch mode. We have typically high cortisol, high DHEA. We're running from that tiger. And then we move into kind of like an adaptive phase two and phase three. That's the adaptation resistance type of cortisol dysregulation. When we're in here at first, cortisol might be higher low throughout the day. DHEA, it typically is normal to low. And then right before we walk into stage four, we see DHEA completely spike up as a last ditch effort to try and preserve the adrenal glands. And then after that, we drop into low cortisol and low DHEA. And the huge big issue here is when, the, when we're in that wiggle room where DHEA is low and cortisol is high, we have a lot of issues with immune dysregulation, histamine issues, because we can't combat that immune dysregulation, joint pains, muscle aches. So it makes it 10 times worse when we don't have that DHEA. So I like looking at both because it tells us where are we going in that pathway. So if you can catch a kind of like a normal cortisol with a high DHEA, it might be right before you tank. Mm -hmm. Perfect. That was awesome. Cause I think just looking at cortisol itself is not the only thing to look at. So that was, that was perfect. Um, the most important thing I just want to mention real fast is too not looking at just what those values look like 
and, and making sure you have somebody that knows how to read it because your normal might actually be like what might be normal on there for you might actually be a low for you. So it's important to interpret what may be your physiological high or low too, based mm-hmm. on your symptoms and your history. I, I have a question when we're talking, you know, we we're talking about cortisol and DHEA. Um, one of the topics that I always struggle with when I'm trying to teach to someone uh, on the Dutch is that cortisone to cortisol and that H, uh, that 11 H uh, beta, whatever it is, uh, <laughs> it's a long word. It converge it com- helps it convert, you know, back and forth. I always struggle a little bit with like how to explain those. Uh, so I always like to hear it from other like coaches or, you know, educated people on how they kind of interpret those things. I love that little skew that it shows that 11 beta HSD enzyme. So our kidneys basically inactivate cortisol to cortisone. We have various other tissues, but typically when the body and the tissues do not want that extra cortisol, it's going to deactivate it to cortisone. So you do see that with long-term adrenal suppression. And then if there is a lot of inflammation in the body, sometimes you'll also see that deactivation. It's basically like a safety mechanism, but the issue is when somebody's has low cortisol and they're quote unquote adrenal fatigued, that's shooting themselves in the foot. The body's trying to help it, but it ends up making you feel 10 times worse because you got a little bit of cortisol and you're deactivating it. Okay. And that's why we, we love and we use licorice because it helps yep. bring that cortisone to that cortisol. Yep. Yep. I've, I've got a quick question here, all the questions. So here, here, here we go. Love it. <laughs> when, when we're talking about a four point um, cortisol test, right? I've had clients that have had some come back and the clients read it and they say, Hey, I, I'm fine. Nothing is, nothing's high, nothing's low. But then when I look at it, I'll see that they're in the upper parts of the ranges, right? Before they start to drop low, or maybe they're in the very lower parts. Is there ever a time, Jason, this is a question for you as well. Is there ever a time where you guys look at those four point cortisol tests and think, okay, they're not outside the ranges, but they're staying up higher in the ranges or they're staying down lower in the ranges. And it's, it's a trend. Is that something that you guys pay attention to? hundred percent for me. She's the guest, but then I'll I'll give my point. Yeah. I read and I interpret based on somebody's symptoms in their history. So I want to make sure like, are they there because of where they have been? What's going on now? How do they feel? That's the most important thing because they can look quote unquote normal, but that might be their low or their high. Right. Yeah. I mean, John, I always, you know, I I know Lacey doesn't know everyone here does gets a really in-depth intake on what symptoms and what they're feeling. So you know, if someone tells me they feel great, but their cortisol curve is still in range, but, but lower, and it's more like this, but they tell me they feel awesome. I'm probably not going to do a whole lot about it and, 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 and just see that's probably them. If they're telling me they're really tired and they get out of bed and they, the weight of the world's on their shoulders, they're not dealing well with stress. Then we probably got to get that little bit more up into the middle range. So you do have to look at it and put, and if you're running high, it could be the same thing. You know, are you sleeping well? No, I sleep great. You know, um, you know, do you have any weird cravings? Are you, you know, are you stressed? Nope, not at all. So then maybe that one, we don't need anything in there as well. So that's just kind of my take on it. I like to challenge my clients because a lot of them say, Hey, I, sometimes they, after retesting, Hey, I feel great. And their cortisol are still on the low end. And I'm like, okay, but let's dive even deeper. What's really stressing you out? Let's 
put a list of energy drainers, energy fillers into their life. And then that's when they start noticing, okay, there are some things that are a little off still in my day-to-day life, even though I'm feeling good, that could be holding me back. And that could still be a sympathetic cortisol release, causing them to not be able to heal. I have Sometimes lot- that's trapped trauma. Yeah. I have a lot of clients too, that will say that they like, everything's good or feels normal. And it's like, but they don't realize that they actually feel like crap until right. they feel better. Like it happened to me, you know, I when, I felt, yeah. when I felt bad, like, and I was like, oh yeah, this is just normal to just feel like crap every day. But then like you actually fix it and you're like, oh yeah. Didn't you feel so much better when I made you rest for two weeks? Yeah. Jason's like, you're going to hate me, but you're going to do nothing for a week. And I was like, thank you. Like I actually said, thank you. And then we found out like for me, for example, my cortisol just runs naturally higher and I feel fine and stuff. I get regular lab work, but, um, but that's just what we found out. And that's why, like, even if you are healthy, getting regular lab work is super important because then you can find those baselines and things like that. So a good old aim into that. And as women, it's not that our menstrual cycle is always the fifth body sign. So if we have a period, it doesn't mean that we're always 100% healthy, but it can be one of those tools. So I like to use, you know, hormones and getting your period as another way to also monitor how your adrenal glands are doing. Yep. Cool. Okay. So we got the whole testing part down and we've diagnosed someone as adrenal fatigue stage one, two, three, or four. What is the first thing that you do to go about fixing this for clients. First thing that we got to do, whether we're in phase one or phase four, right, is slow the hell down, right? So I have people say, okay, let's put down a list of your energy drainers, your energy fillers. Let's figure out why is cortisol high or why is cortisol low? So is it maybe food allergies, food intolerances? Is it chronic stress? Is it trauma from your life? Medications? Is it gut infections, viral issues? mouth toxins, breast implants, you know, the list goes on and on and on, right? So we want to identify what are those things that could be contributing to that stress bucket. Just like there's a toxic bucket, there's a stress bucket. So the more drops we put into that bucket, the more likely somebody's going to be symptomatic and have further adrenal issues. So we identify first mm-hmm. while we're identifying, because there could be some things we're missing, right? Maybe it's hidden EBV or mono or past COVID infections that cause that downregulation. While we do that, we want to work on the parasympathetic rest and digest system. So we got sympathetic, fight or flight, parasympathetic, rest and digest. So we want to put as much effort in the parasympathetic as possible. And just like Kayla was forced to do rest, that's the thing that a lot of people need to do. A lot of rest, reduction in training, taking away the things, even like toxic relationships that could be influencing and causing you a additional adrenal dysfunction. And then, of course, we want to really support the diet balancing the blood sugar, making sure that everybody gets adequate nutrients that they need to create cortisol, whether that's, you know, your B vitamins or your magnesium, you rapidly deplete with stress or making sure that people have sufficient levels of cholesterol that we need healthy fats to make our adrenal hormones. So I like to start with diet and lifestyle while working on also the environment. So what toxic toxins, that's why there's a toxic bucket, like in my book, it's so important because there's so many things, internal or external stressors that you have to address. Now, there's so much more I could talk about from red light therapy to using a happy light that we can, you know, to using adrenal cocktails. But I always like to start by identification and then looking at what potential internal or external stressors can you do. And then let's address parasympathetic support and your diet first. What about what about sleep? So, and I'm going to come at this from normally the things I start asking my clients as well is 
how much sleep are you getting? <clears throat> and a lot of my folks are training, you know, five days a week. Some are training six days a week. Just depends on who they are, if they're in a healthy state, right? And they push to this point to where they they need, you know, like a deload or they're overreached. But I start talking to them a lot about sleep. How does sleep tie into adrenal function and, and coming up with issues? Oh, lack of sleep will 100% cause dysregulation with your cortisol. And with dysregulation of your cortisol, then you can have sleep issues. So the most important thing is getting at least eight hours of sleep a night. I, I don't even say seven is enough. I say eight hours of sleep a night. And if you're exhausted, you need more sleep and sleeping as much as you can. Um, one of, uh, I read a book one time that was talking about like, if you can sleep into like 10 AM, do it. So that's what I tell my clients. Like the more you sleep that you can get, the better it will be for your adrenals to heal. Yeah. And then the other, the other question I have for you involves caffeine. If you guys are watching on YouTube, you can see I'm drinking a monster, but little do people know I'm down to about hundred to 150 megs a day. And I have been for a month and I feel amazing, but it was to fix some of this. So as far as do you address caffeine with your folks? I know some people, they say, just go zero caffeine, cold Turkey. I like to titrate mine down. I cut it in half and then cut it in half again the next week. And I have so much regular natural energy that I, if I only, I'll drink like half of this now and I might drink half of it before I work out in three or four hours and feel great. Is caffeine something that you talk to your clients about and, and how do you deal with it? Yeah. Caffeine abuse is a big common cause of adrenal issues. And another thing is a lot of people, they do caffeine in between their meals too. So when they don't have any glucose in the system and that makes an adrenal issue even worse, cause you've got to release, you know. You got to get cortisol to release glucose from your liver. And if you don't have food with your caffeine, you're having to do that. So it makes it 10 times worse. So I like to do what you do. I love titration. I don't like to pull out cold turkey because then you can get rapid headaches and people are going to absolutely hate you. So if you can titrate it down, the best thing I do like if people are in real adrenal fatigue and people might not agree with me, if you, if you have to have one cup of coffee to get through your day, mm -hmm. I do allow it. Because sometimes that might be the one thing that people need and they look forward to on a day-to-day -day basis. But I do try and lower caffeine intake as much as possible. And most specifically, I say caffeine, try and get it in the morning and always have it with food, never fasted. Yeah, I think there's some some easy ways for people to that like things like coffee. You can do half decaf, half regular. So like you can have, you know, eight ounces of half and half. And I don't know how much caffeine that is. It's not much. They make small skinny monsters now that are like a hundred megs of caffeine, which is nothing. What? So you can, you can actually get those and they make Jason's over here laughing. Cause I'm so white trash. They make, um, caffeine free bang energy drinks and you can get those. So like, sometimes I just crave the, the taste of an energy drink, but there's no caffeine in it. So there's things like that, that you can do, but I just really recommend it probably from the most caffeine abusive person on the planet, which is me. You guys will feel so much better if you're listening, if you cut it back and you'll be way healthier. So Jason, you're over there smiling, man. I don't know if you saw this is, this is also the other part of it. We'll talk about supplements as well, but <laughs> I love it. Adrena health, you know, it's Jason's product. We carry it as well, but I take two in the morning and two mid afternoon. Jason, that's been a staple for you helping people, right? Yeah. With this, with this issue, it's one of the tools, um, you know, uh, I usually uh, kind of like Lacey was saying, you know, address rest uh, issues, sleep, diet, good diet, Mediterranean usually. And then I start adding nutraceuticals as needed. Yeah. So it's one of my tools. Yeah. Can, can we talk about supplementation here real quick? Kayla, I hope I'm not taking over here. Can we yeah, talk about no. why, 
why it's important not just to throw supplements at the problem, because I can tell you years ago, I would just take uh, back when I was the first one, they had one. I can't remember what it was called. I just kept drinking all the caffeine and like trying to take the supplements. <laughs> it didn't do shit. So can we talk about the things that need to be done before you just rely on supplements? Whoever, Lacey, I mean, you, Lacey, you have a supplement company as well too. So, I mean. I do. I yeah. always say you can't out supplement a diet or a lifestyle issue. So I truly say like you have to fix your diet, your lifestyle factors first and your environment before you're even going to throw in supplements. Now there are some key supplements that could be very helpful. Your B complexes, specifically your B5, your B6, your vitamin C, electrolytes, absolutely love me a good adrenal pickleball powder. But um, the biggest thing is making sure you're focusing on diet and lifestyle first. I love that Jason has his supplements too, because I'm a big supplement junkie and I absolutely love like third-party tested high-quality supplements. And I love chatting about different ingredients, so we could definitely do that. But my favorite supplements, I would say, for adrenal issues would be a magnesium because you rapidly deplete magnesium and your B vitamins when you have adrenal distress, whether that's low or high cortisol. So I love some magnesium, specifically magnesium glycinate because it's calming. And then I like a B-complex, a vitamin C, depending on the person, could be very helpful for helping to heal your adrenals. And I'm also a big fan of the electrolyte powders. Um, one thing I do have to mention, though, sometimes when you do have low cortisol, you really are adrenal fatigued. Too much potassium can be worse because when you have low cortisol, you are wasting away your sodium and retaining your potassium. So you might want to be cautious with high potassium-based electrolytes. But I do like an electrolyte powder overall. And then I'm a big fan. I'm sure Jason is too, of like ashwagandha, rhodiola, cordyceps for every single person. And there's specific adaptogens or ingredients that you could use based on what state you're in. And I'm more than happy to talk about those too. Let me, let me ask it. This is, this is a tough question for most people. Um, if you're low cortisol, do you want to take a cortisol lowering supplement such as cordies, for example? I, I, I think people don't understand can you guys kind of break that down? Yeah. So I, the hard thing is like, I love phosphatidylserine on a brain-based level, cognition-based level, but it will lower your cortisol. So if you have low cortisol and you're taking phosphatidylserine, that can make it even worse. And that's just like, if you have high cortisol and you take an adrenal glandular, that's going to pump up too much cortisol and that's going to make it worse. So I always like to say supplement smartly. If you don't know where you are, focus on something that's going to be more of um, nourishing to your adrenal glands, like maybe a low dose ashwagandha or a cordyceps or a rhodiola. Now keep in mind, some people respond differently to different adaptogens. Some people might be very much energized with a rhodiola too much. So, or a panex ginseng, but I like to focus on the nourishing ones. If we don't know, and then if somebody's low, let's go with a licorice to help linger in the cortisol for longer. Maybe let's go in with the glandular, a cordyceps, a rhodiola, panix ginseng. And then if they're high, phosphatidylserine is seriously your best friend. And then I love L-theanine, ashwagandha, magnolia. Those would be my top ones. Yeah. Yeah. Those are all mainly in our cordies. So I I'm, I'm in, I'm in full agreement with what she's saying. So um, I don't have anything extra to, to add on that, John. I think this just kind of brings it back to our point in the beginning about testing and like understanding which stage you're in, because if you're higher low cortisol and you're just throwing all these supplements at it, it's just not going to make anything better. You can even make it worse. Um, so for the listeners, like just make sure you understand where you're at in it and then go from there. Um, you know, like, like they said, um, and if you guys need help, like all of us can help you guys. So I, I think one of the harder ones to deal with 
you know, it's pretty easy if you see someone sky high and they're out of the range or you see someone flat. But Lacey, what do we do with the ones that let's say they wake up in the morning and cortisol is too high and then it dips too low, comes back too high. Do you use different tools? Uh, how do you how do you go about that? Because I, I know what I do, but I'm actually really curious what you do. Yeah. So I used to, I used to got content. Well, I can't talk. So I used to think, okay, Hey, like I need to go based off of like overall the general high or the general low, but I've learned you can selectively use specific agents at specific points in time to really help them. So I am, I'm sure you're in with me. If they're high, then we're going to decrease. If they're low, then we're going to increase. So I do use specifics based on what we see, but the most important thing is I interpret the test and then use those based on what their day to day typically looks like. Because sometimes you can have false elevations in the morning if they were stressed out taking their test. Sure. Sure. Okay. I think another aspect of this whole part with like adrenal fatigue and everything is the mindset of clients going into this, you know, like, because when I was going through my hormonal dysfunction, um, I had to kind of like flip my mindset into it. And it took me like the first three months, I would say to actually like get into it versus just going through the motions of what I was supposed to do. Is this the first time or the second time? The first time. Oh no. Oh no. Second time. <laughs> Second time was after like seven months of prep. So yeah, <laughs> that's what did it then. But first time I was just like, so upset with just like, I can't train anymore. Like, am I going to be able to ever compete again? Like I was just so upset that I was like, so hard to just let that go. But once I did, I'm in progress like way faster. So with the mindset of clients, you know, how do you help them get into that mindset to make this work versus just good question through the motions? Because I even have clients like that myself that are just going through the motions and they're not seeing progress. And they're getting frustrated. So it's just like, you know, for, for you guys. Yeah. It's doing what you're doing right now, getting you to where you want to be. Yeah. And typically they're like, no, I'm like, yeah, that that's your answer right there. Yeah. A lot of times I'm like, I'm going to do the exact opposite of what you're doing right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> everything you're doing sucks. We're going to do the exact opposite. I don't put it that way, but basically. And the hard thing is like, people love training, right? They love training. So they want to go balls to the wall or they like doing their typical lifestyle work. You have to make these short-term changes that might make you dissatisfied in the moment for long-term satisfaction for your health and your happiness and in your body. So it's short-term for long-term satisfaction. Yeah. That's what I always remind them. And I'm sure I did Kayla as well. I was, you know, it's like, yes, right now you're not making a ton of progress. We're training enough to hold muscle but your body's going to be healthy and then it's going to make the progress you want. If you don't spend this time doing this, it's never going to make the progress. Right. So she put in the hard work and ended up going pro the next year. So, uh, you know, it, it, it does, it does pay off. Yeah. I think it's also very hard for, <clears throat> we have a lot of physique athletes that listen to the show, but there are a lot of people that are performance-based athletes. Like, you know, I, I, CrossFit, I power, CrossFit powerlifters, and for them to take a step back is really, really hard if they have something coming up. So, and, and I know she's listening to the show, but I don't want to say who she is. She's actually going through this right now. She's got a huge event coming up in December and she got uh, labs came back. Everything came back, adrenal fatigue, like hardcore. So to like take the steps back to be able to train into this once in a lifetime event in December, it's really, really hard for performance-based athletes because one, you have to be in condition, right? And you can do that as you get closer, but you, it's really hard for performance athletes to cut back. 
is there anything specific that you guys would say to this person that's listening or, or to other performance-based athletes that is going to help them understand, like, listen, it's okay to take a step back, to take a step and a half forward. It's really tough. Can I clarify though? Like, are they under a time crunch? Yeah. December is this huge, huge CrossFit event. Like I said, once in a lifetime type deal. Yeah. I mean, are, do they feel okay? Or was that why they, why they got the labs? No, got the labs because felt like trash. This was about a month ago. So performance is going to hurt anyways, you know? So I think you got to find a happy medium. Lacey, what do you think? I completely agree. I mean, I've definitely worked with a lot of people that had like Ironmans that they were training for or pro athletes. And it's hard because it's not even just them. It's like people are relying on them to do X, Y, Z. But the most important thing is you can't be your best if you feel like trash. And so taking typically even a two week, it's, it sucks, but just a two week break off can absolutely change somebody. Yeah. And I write medical notes if I need to. That's, that's what we did. She took a couple weeks off and trying to get back into it is, has been a struggle, but it's, it's hard to know. Do you guys recommend testing? So we're what, three months out, two and a half months out. Do you recommend testing here in another three weeks or just powering through like this? This is the tough spot. You know, if someone's just feeling like trash coming up, like, would you just mentally leave that out and just power through now after taking a couple weeks off? Or what do you recommend? Did you test before? Yeah. Test was done about a month ago. So yeah. and the two, a nice two week break was taken off all the things done, lowering caffeine, taking adrenal health, like doing all the things, lowering all the stress bucket stuff. But now like training's on and it's got to be on because December's coming up. Would you just ignore any more testing and just try and power through? What do you, what do you guys think? I know this is hard because you don't know the client. I'm just trying to, I think I'm right. Just power through. Uh, I didn't say that. I just said, I think I might know who they are. I'll oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> He's like identification here. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely, I would, if the, if it's an athlete that knows they're going to do that, I wouldn't waste the money on the adrenal testing, but if they have some other things that are going on, other symptoms, I would dive deeper into what else could further be impacting their adrenals. Have they developed a gut infection? Have they developed nutrient deficiencies? What does their thyroid look like? What can you optimize now? If they're still going to do that training, what can you look at and optimize now to help them why they are going to go ahead and do that? Yeah, got it. I don't, I don't want to spend a lot more time on that. I just know there's people listening that are trying to finish a prep or they're trying to get ready for something and, and, I don't want to cause them a shit ton of stress as if they're, I mean, I've out, had it, you know? I've had a, you know, adrenal fatigue towards the end of prep. I mean, I've had it where I would I get up out of the leg press and I passed out. Uh, I went to the fridge. I passed out. I mean, I dropped to the floor and I was back too. Um, but a dizzy getting out of my chair, you know, um, for me, and I know this isn't the right necessarily the right way to do it, but at that high level going for a pro stage, um, I didn't want to know what my adrenals looked like. I just knew that I was going to, have to fix it afterwards. So I powered through, um, because if I would have had like tests that actually confirmed it, it might've messed with me mentally and oh. finishing the drill. So, I mean, at high, high levels of athletics, it's usually not healthy for a bit of a time. So, um, I don't, I don't know that I'd want to see the results. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but I, I think after the rest, I would support her adrenals the best you can. And then, uh, you know, maybe you can schedule like uh, more sleep or maybe you can schedule in just a few, maybe just one extra rest day a week, you know, just to stave it off a bit. And then maybe like 
taper her training before she goes. Like she shouldn't be going balls to the wall all the way in, like have it ramp up and then ramp into the, into the meat or ramp down into the, the meat or whatever they call it at CrossFit. Sure. Yeah. It's so hard because like CrossFit training, any type of high intensity training, bodybuilding, their, their adrenals are going to be chaotic, right? Yeah. It would be healthy to not prep at all. Right. But, and there's healthier ways to prep and most of the people are going to get hit. So the best thing is just if you feel like absolute trash, either stop or power through. You've got to make a choice. And no, you got to fix it after. You right. know, you got to do the you got to do the work after. And I think that's what Kay, sorry to hijack Kayla. I think that's what Kayla has up next actually is post adrenal fatigue on the notes. Yeah. Yep. So client has gone through everything. We fixed everything, got labs again, everything looks healthy, feeling good. So how do you ensure that they stay healthy and this doesn't happen again? Mm-hmm. Knowing where they got, like, why are the, in the words of Michael Scott, why are you the way that you are? That's what we want to know first, because we want to prevent that from happening again. So for you, you knew it was prep. You knew it was bodybuilding, overtraining. So identifying those things helps you prevent how you got there in the first place. Some people, their cortisol issues were a combination of gut infections and mold. Other people, it's bodybuilding. Other people, it's just chronic stress from being a super mom while getting their doctorate, while being a a wife. So knowing what those stresses are important and then making sure you're even more hyper aware of your energy drainers and your fillers. And most importantly, monitoring your symptoms. If you start noticing, Hey, I'm starting to to be a little bit more watery again. I'm having more salt and sugar cravings, dry mouth, urinating a lot. I'm chronically exhausted. I'm not recovering. My sleep is wonky. I'm having mood swings. My period is off like yada, yada, yada. That's when you get your first red flag, right? So you're like, okay, what can I reduce? Do I need to sleep more? Am I not eating enough? Am I overtraining again? What's going on? So I always say monitor those red flags, but most importantly, put every single step, keep on doing those things that you were doing to support your adrenals, like getting light as therapy, balancing your blood sugar, getting as much sleep as possible, filling up your cup versus draining your cup. Those things you keep in, those are things you keep in throughout your life. Limiting caffeine as best you can. (laughs) Yeah. I, um, I also, you know, really periodize the training better. Like I, like with Kayla, it's, we push for four weeks, whether we're dieting or off season. And then on the fifth week, she has to deload. I don't care if she's making the best progress of her life or burning fat, like a, a champ. It's just, it, she has to do this because it seems like given her personality, her type a and bodybuilding together, her cortisol just spikes. And if you do 12, 14 weeks of push, 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 She's right back where she was. Yep. I think a lot of people need to realize that like, this is all habit changes that you have to do because the habits that you had before that were not getting you to where you should be. And it was digging you a hole. So you have to kind of take that into that. And that was another thing for me was like the mindset shift of like going through this, like the first time I ever had, it was like, Oh crap. Like I need to learn how to manage my stress better because I just, I'm very go, go, go type a, like, you know, like Jason said. And so I needed to, learn how to do that better for myself. And I have, so I think that goes out to all clients too, that are dealing with this. And I know that's something I work a lot on with my clients is just the habit changes of just the simple things that people are like, Oh, well, that's boring, but it's like, okay, but you have to get these boring things down in order to be healthy forever. So boring or the like crunchy holistic things like doing castor oil packs or doing the happy light. People are like, do I have to do that? And it's like, please do it because it will really help just people don't like journaling either but a lot of shit right. out like they're like that's so boring 
And I'm like, I know, I kind of agree with you, but some good <laughs> shit can come out of this. Like, yes. You know. With journaling, I started, I actually went on Amazon and I found like a journal with like prompts in it because I was like, uh-huh. I don't know what to write if I just sit here with a blank page. Like, I feel like I'm writing like Dear Diary, like, and I felt yeah. awkward about it. So I just found a journal of prompts and that helped a ton and it helped way more. Um, so there's always things you guys can do and it's, you know, it just, it helps a lot. So just keep doing it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to think of things that our listeners might be wondering. So I found one more and hopefully this isn't a huge can of worms, but let's talk about adrenal fatigue and people suffering through a fat loss stage with stalls and stuff like that. How all that's tied together because some, some people understand, okay, if cortisol is really high and your sleep sucks and you're just not able to drop when someone's bottomed out, what's that look like Lacey for someone that's trying to lose fat and they have full-blown adrenal fatigue. Can you kind of lay that out? Because we might have people listening that they're going through that. They just don't know that they're going through it. Yeah. Well, on a physique-based level, I mean, talk about insulin resistance because you don't have enough cortisol to essentially get your liver to release glucose to be then used as fuel. And at the same time, you have insulin that's being pumped out to try and get glucose into the body. So if any glucose is released, you've got redistribution, there we go, (laughs) redistribution of those fatty acids, everything coming from your hips, now redistributing into the abdominal region because of that cortisol issue. And so people start noticing, hey, I'm gaining weight at weird parts of my body, the inability to lose weight, plus, of course, most people feeling bad, but holding on to that body fat and not being able to get rid of it is a big cortisol, insulin resistant inflammation type of issue. You don't have cortisol, you're insulin resistant and you can't combat inflammation. So that's a vicious, vicious cycle until you fix it. And you can try and lose all the weight that you can, but until you fix that cortisol state, you're still going to have that body fat holding on and hanging on in the abdominal region. And it's frustrating. I get it, but it really takes time to really heal the metabolism in the body for that to kind of dis to go back to a more regulated state. And yeah, I think we see a lot of people, Jason, and I'm, I'm sure this is you as well. We see a lot of people that, they have this going on, but they just try and triple down harder. Let's just add more cardio. Let's drop the calories even lower. Like what's that going to do to adrenal fatigue that's already set in? Like, you know, like, have you guys ever seen something that's just beat it down so bad that trying to come out of that is just such a long process than if somebody catches it right away? I, I mean, I have, I, I had a girl, her cortisol was 0. 0.7. Uh, on a serum. Um, and then when we got the ZRT, I mean, she was complete flatlined. It took 18 months. Oh, wow. Yeah. Long. The longer you allow yourself to be in that type of state, the longer it takes for you to be able to heal. And the issue is like, once that cortisol is completely low, then you're predisposed to so much more. You're talking about developing an autoimmune disease, contracting infections, whether that's bacterial, viral, parasitic, and then you got to fix all that shit. Excuse my French. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And that's a, that's an even longer timeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, John, for the listeners out there, if they know they have this, like going into a fat loss phase or a prep is the last thing they need. They're not, they're going to be beating their heads up against the wall because they're not going to lose body fat. Well, Lacey just gave you the science behind why. Um, so, you know, if you know, you have this delay your prep, the stage is always there. We already talked about like, if you have to be ready, we know we, but uh, if you can delay it, delay it and get, get, get right. Like get, get, if you don't know how to get right, get with a coach that knows how to do it and get yourself right. So you're getting the results you want. And I think too, if, if, if all three of you should could answer this or just give some feedback, there's a lot of coaches out there that 
Jason, we've talked, we've been doing this podcast for a long time. We've talked about the prep before the prep, right? And you and I will do things like clear up insulin sensitivity before prep for somebody that's just hammering. A lot of these things, how important is it for people to start looking at cortisol and things of that nature well into the off season before they even start a diet? Because how many times do we get clients before we started doing all this that they just won't drop and won't do anything? Um, how does adrenal fatigue and cortisol tie into that? I mean, Lacey, is that something that you're looking at when you're helping someone go from an off season to maybe a diet phase? Is that something that, that you're looking at far enough out? I try and optimize how do they feel in their off season. So going through their entire symptoms, how they feel, how their training is, recovery, digestion, you name it. I try not to spend on money. I try not to spend money on tests unless I need to. If somebody can do some blood work before they rock and roll into a prep, fantastic. But I focus on symptoms first. Now, if you're already not feeling okay, and there are some symptoms that's going on for you prior to you going into a prep, hundred percent test everything that you can look at your thyroid, your hormones, your cortisol before going in. But I focus on symptoms first and foremost. Yeah. yeah, I agree with her, John. I don't, um, I don't necessarily have someone spend more money on a cortisol test if they feel great. I do generally, if I'm pushing carbs hard with people that really got to grow, I, I do get fasted blood glucose readings, but that's for another show. Yeah. 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 I, I think I would say like, um, if they have like ped usage, um, I would maybe do it then just to make sure that they're healthy before we start prep um, and stuff like that. Like, and like me personally, like I will spend money on getting some lab work done before. So that way, you know, I'm healthy before I can start prep. Um, but I think it's just up to the client too. Like Lacey said, I don't want to make them spend more money or even if they had like a past issue with this and they're just kind of fixing it. Maybe I would do it then just to see how they're feeling and stuff. But um, yeah, other than that, not really. I think I'm glad you mentioned um, the PEDs because I do see, you know, it's interesting. Some people come to me abusing them in the off season or during the season. And that's the thing that holds them back from healing is coming off of them and being able to heal then their thyroid and their adrenals, most importantly, their liver. So that's a very interesting component there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. I think the last thing is just kind of, have you ever seen or like heard of any big mistakes that people make with treating adrenal fatigue? I've got one that's probably not thought of a lot and that would be trap traumas. So a lot of people, sometimes we think about things that happened when we were growing up that we never work on. And that could be something that actually can hold people back because we can have specific organs, whether it's like our spleen or our lungs or small intestine that can harbor, harbor and hold on to that trauma. And that is an adrenal stressor, continuous, continuing us in to that sympathetic mode. So I like to say to do counseling, therapy, emotion code, work on any potential trapped traumas in your body from your past as well as you heal. That's a good one. Otherwise, I guess, Jason, do you know of any mistakes that you see usually? Mistakes in healing? Yeah. Treating it. Starting by coaches or by the client? Either one. I have so many more. Well, I mean, I think one of the mistakes that I see is with my athletes that are, you know, higher level, I give them a, you know, I, I let them train to save muscle, uh, maybe twice a week, you know, I, after I rest them a while and I'll be reading their logs or their report. And I'm like, 
you aren't training at an RPE of a six or seven. Like that's, I, I realize you think you can do this, but, but, but you can't. Um, so I see people like pushing the weight training a little too hard. Um, so you got to watch that. Um, if someone's really flatline, they might not weight train for four weeks with me. It just depends. But um, I see people pushing that envelope a little too much. Um, I really like alcohol to be kind of limited when you're dealing with these things. Um, alcohol is not a, it's just not good for so many processes, but it isn't helpful to, to bring up. Uh, and, you know, so people will be like, oh, I want to have a few drinks. And I'm like, can we just get this corrected and then bring that back? Um, and then, you know, coaches, things I've seen them do is they just use the wrong tools. Like they think cortis because it has cortisol in it is to bring up, you know, it'll help bring up cortisol too. You got to understand what what's in the products and how they're how they're working and your tools are the trade. So I see tools kind of misapplied uh, as well. The, Jason, the I've seen so many pe people come to me from other coaches and I've seen so many people. I love your company and your products. Misuse your products, though, and it's going to make me go insane. So thank <laughs> you for saying that. I'm like, no, that's not what he made it for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to add probably from my end, the number one mistake that I see people make when they're trying to trying to treat it is they're not intentional about their sleep. And that's something that it's not sexy. Sleep is not sexy. And it's probably to me, it's in the top three most important things. It, it's right up there at the very top. And I just see people that are, I always see the people that are the highest stress are always the people that they wake up early. They got to go to the gym first thing. They've got to get their kids ready. They've got to rush to work. They're up working late, like all this craziness. And on top of that, the people that aren't organized, they're just life is chaos. They're the ones that I sleep. They're the ones I see don't prioritize sleep. So no matter what I try and do, if they're getting four to five hours of sleep a night, nothing is going to work. Sure. They can cut training back and they can take supplements and they can do all these things. But if you're not fucking sleeping, guess what? we're not going to get anywhere. And that's, that's what I've seen. That, that just draws everything way out. So that's went on a little rant there for a second. Cause as you can tell, it's something I have to deal with in check-ins every time. Cause they're just not freaking sleeping. It makes me want to choke somebody. So yeah, I like to say my hands are tied behind my back until you get eight hours of sleep. Good night. And then sense. also under eating. Oh my God. So many people, because okay. they have low cortisol, they're like, I don't need to eat. I'm going to gain weight. And I was like, Freaking eat. We got to get your metabolism revenue. You might gain one to two pounds max, maybe. Uh, my goal is not to make you gain fat, but big time I see people under eat and then just make the problem even worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yep. All right. Well, I think that was really good episode. We had so much yep. good information in there. Um, so I guess, Lacey, is there anything that you want to plug here at the end for our listeners, upcoming events, like anything like that? Yeah. So absolutely. Um, I love what I do. So if you need my help, you can reach out to me. My website is upliftfitnutrition.com. You guys showed my book, the women's guide to hormonal harmony. There's one summit. I'll pull it up real fast and I'm participating in Vegas coming soon. Um, let's see. It's called real coaches summit 2023. So that's going to be March 6th and 7th in Vegas. Holla at me. Don't show up with adrenal issues and drink alcohol per this conversation, but we can have fun. So I'm excited about that. And, um, yeah, that that's about it for me. Oh, and then I have my forgot my supplement company nourish well. So I have my sleep support, magical sleep, my stress defender, and then my hormonal harmony. So I developed those products formulated myself. So that would be my second company as well. And I'm just so thankful. This was so much fun. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Definitely yeah. appreciate you coming.
yeah, we definitely appreciate it. And we'll probably have to have you on again for yeah, other sure. things in the book. So we have lots to go through yet. So it'll be really good. Oh, one more definitely. thing. Um, the cortisol chapter of my book is actually free on my website. If anybody wants that. Perfect. There you go. You can go get a taste for what she has to offer and you'll get some education. So mm-hmm. free. Yep. Very cool. Highly recommend this book guys. Like it's cheap on Amazon. Like It'll be the best money you've spent on like learning how to do all this stuff. So, yes. um, but otherwise we will see you guys next time on another see episode. Yeah. Right. See ya. Thank you. Bye guys. Bye. Oops.